You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 187 of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast. We're brought to you by GameAt.eu and our beautiful, sexy, good smelling Patreon patrons. We appreciate all of you and thank you for supporting the show. GameAt.eu, of course, sells pre-painted resin and 3D printed and uh, MDF terrain and battle mats and all the like. They sell STL files and all of that. So go check them out at GameAt.eu. What am I talking about today? Well, we have a review of the death of the Walking Dead game. So Mantic just recently uh, announced that they were going to stop supporting the Walking Dead all-out war game. And that's a skirmish miniatures game. It's got multiple supplements. And uh, we discuss, even though it's really hard to figure out the exact reason, uh, we discuss what we can piece together and why we think they are canceling it. Then we have a Tesseract mailbox from Juicy Jim, and he discusses all manner of things. You should go check it out. Uh, He explains how he hates children, so you want to listen to that. And uh, don't we all, right? We also have a Want That or Want That Not, where we discuss the made-to-order Harlequins miniatures and some of the Eldar ones. Do I think you should buy them? Do I want them? Do I not want them? I guess we'll find out, won't we? So what have I been up to? Well, uh, I played a game. It's like basically my first game, I think, with the new Gene Sealer Cult Codex this Wednesday at the gaming store. Um, and I played with my Space Wolf friend Trevor against our Grey Knight friend TJ. And um, we all but tabled TJ, believe it or not. And really, the Grey Knights were holding their own until turn two when I successfully made uh four or five charges in that one turn everything deep struck and everything found its target it was beautiful so uh that was really we we crushed some stuff in that turn so that was really the turning point of that game otherwise you know it it was fine we uh were playing with modified points so if i tell you that we won 36 to 14, it's really not going to make much sense because we're not using the normal modern scoring methods. Um, What else have I been up to? Well, Leroy Jenkins and I, uh, we did our annual trip up to go see each other. Um, He lives up in New York. I live down in Maryland, so we're about six and a half hours away. And uh, last year we met up and we played a game at a park. That was pretty cool. But this year I thought, you know what? Why be holding to the weather? Let's try to find a gaming store that is near the middle of our two travels, right? And um, this is basically my last hurrah before my busy season starts at my real-life job. And so I was excited to squeak this in right under the the deadline with uh, Leroy. So Leroy and I met um, in Matawan. I'm gonna... it's, It's... There's several names for this, so I don't know exactly what it's called. It's called Matawan, New Jersey, and it's also called Old Bridge, New Jersey. So I don't know. Old Bridge is the area, I suppose. But anyway, the official place, the town is called Matawan, New Jersey. And I'm probably butchering that. You know how local names for stuff goes. Um, But anyway, we found a game store after a lot of looking called Red Seal Gaming. And uh, I called them the week before and I was like, hey, is that okay if... um, 
you know, if me and my friend meet, obviously we don't belong to your gaming community locally or anything, but can we meet there and, and all that? And they're like, oh, sure, you know, I'm happy to see people come together from far away. And I'm like, yeah, thank you. So we go up there, and um, I was very, very impressed with the store. Um, the gaming staff, it seems like the whole family runs it, the the father Dan and the son and, and the, the mom and all that. Seems like it's a family store. Uh, they were all super friendly, and they were super nice. And uh, we talked back and forth and um, just you know, real conversational. It made us feel very welcome. And uh, the place was very well stocked. So, you know, I could, whenever you go to a new store, there's several hurdles that you could go into, right? You could run into the store is dirty. Well, this store, Red Seal Gaming, was not dirty at all. Actually, it was very nice. And better than that, it smelled good. Yes, I know that's a an outside chance that a gaming store is going to smell good. But it really did, and they've got air fresheners and stuff like that. The place smelled great, and it was nice and clean. You go in the bathroom, the bathroom's nice and clean, and it smells great. So, score one in the success category for them in that. They also had a huge selection of stuff, um, and no, they're not paying me to say all this or anything. It's just that anytime that I go to a store that's nice, I try to just mention, hey, here's an actually nice store. So, if you are in the, what I would consider northern Jersey, but what they consider central Jersey... Uh, the Middlesex area, I think they said. Um, like, I got Matawan, I've got Middlesex, and I've got Old Bridge. So I don't know. If you're in northern Jersey or in, even in New York City, it's not much of a drive at all to this place. And I would definitely suggest you do. They've got a big uh, Discord community and things like that. It's like 1,600 people or something in their Discord. And uh, they play all the games, X-Wing and AOS and 40K and all that. But... Um, you know, it's just nice to meet a nice store that's family run and everybody, you know, takes care of the store. And it's just it was a very, very nice scenario. Um, we played at that store for uh, seven and a half hours. <laughs> so, yeah. And um, oh, also, I got I got my ego inflated, which just always tickles me. While I was at the car, I was going to get my brutality stuff after our Warhammer game. Uh, my, my friend Leroy is like, um, he told the owner, he's like, you know, that's Pimpcron, right? And he's like, no, it's not. And he's like, yeah, it's Pimpcron. He's like, oh my gosh, Pimpcron's in my store. And I, that just, when I came back in, he's like, you're Pimpcron. So that really, that made my day. Um, cause I don't expect anybody to know. I don't walk around saying I'm Pimpcron. I don't do that. Cause I don't expect anybody to know who I am. So that was nice. Oh, also what made it funnier is he mentioned it on the discord that I was there and people didn't believe him because we did this on April 1st, <laughs> which, of course, I don't know if it's your the globally acknowledged or not. But in the U.S., at least April Fool's Day is April 1st. So um, some people didn't believe that uh, I was actually there. But that that made me happy. So the games that we had, we had a uh, we played a 1250 point Highlander game for 40K. Um, Leroy brought his Sisters of Battle, which he's known for. And I brought my Jeans Dealer Cult. And, um, he ended up tabling me. Uh, the points were pretty close. I was actually, I got an early lead and I was holding it pretty well. I had some good board coverage and, and control and all of that. I was kind of keeping him cooped up in this corner. And narratively what it was is we played with fantasy train because that's just the first stuff I laid my hands on. So we were saying that in this ag world, Gene Steeler cult has risen up and the sisters of battle have to, um, 
you know, squash us and take control of our places. We had some silos for chemical warfare. We had um, an observation tower, you know, to look out for the authorities or whatever. And and he did end up tabling me. Um, so that was, you know, kind of a bummer. Not really, though. But uh, the real reason why he won, and he didn't win until the last turn, but the reason why he won is because I paid for an upgrade to one of my units, my aberrants, right? And the upgrade was like 15 or 20 points. And basically it allows them to roll 3d6 when they charge. And I was already taking the faction that allows me to re-roll when they charge. And when they roll the 3d6, they drop the lowest, but it was all re-rollable, right? Well, I paid for that. I put it in my list. I drop them down and I completely forget about the 3d6 drop the lowest charge. So I needed an eight inch charge. I I rolled it, I didn't get an 8, I re-rolled it, I still didn't get an 8. And I'm like, ah, crap. So in the in the subsequent turn, he shot them all to pieces, and he killed my Patriarch and all this, because I was going to charge in with them, and then charge in with the Patriarch. But because they didn't get in, because I forgot my roll, then the Patriarch didn't charge in, so they're both just sitting ducks, because I didn't, I was charging his uh, Nundums, his, uh, whatever the battle suits are for sisters. And I knew that I'd have to hit them hard with my nine aberrants and my patriarch in order to put a dent in them because they reduce damage, yada, yada. So that really turned the entire tide. Um, me forgetting that 3d6 roll and making it re-rollable, that lost me the game for sure. Now, he may have still have already, he may have beat me anyway, but I arguably could have destroyed probably two out of three of his nundums in one turn. And uh, that would have been a huge game changer because the Nundums really were a, a pain in the butt. But you miss a rule and that's what happens. Then we played a very notable game of the uh, Lord Dreadmore's Gauntlet from Brutality. And we teamed up with my Muppets. And um, I had uh, Fozzie Bear and I had Animal. And he had Kermit with the Chainsaw and he had Beaker. And believe it or not, so the way the Gauntlet runs, it can be solo or co-op or whatever. You have to beat five rounds of this with random enemies spawning in. Five rounds. And what's interesting is that um, if you beat it too easily, Lord Dreadmore may say that, hey, you know, to make the audience happier, this was too much of a cakewalk. You got to do a sixth or maybe even a seventh turn. And what we ended up doing was we had to do all seven rounds, which each one of these is like a mini game in itself. It's not seven game turns. This is seven rounds, seven individual rounds where you don't get to recover in between. You just have to, it's, it's wave after wave of enemy. And we beat all seven rounds. Animals, animal died in the first round. So he, that he was dead. Um, but actually that ended up helping us because a lot of times we were very fortunate on the creatures that we rolled, we we might get one tough creature and then an easy creature or something like that. And um, we never really got creamed by the creatures. And Beaker was saving, uh, was healing people left and right. And um, it was a very, very fun time. I could not believe we actually beat. I don't think I've ever survived seven full rounds in Gauntlet. I mean, maybe, maybe at some point, but not recently, that's for sure. And matter of fact, the last three or four times I played the Gauntlet, I ended up dying before the fifth turn. So it's, it's a, I like to think of it as like a 40% chance of winning that with AI and all that. So you got to really bring your A game, but that was a lot of fun. 
Then we played the game of, uh, uh, I forget what mission it is in Brutality, but basically you're both going after the same bounty, or I think it's called Bounty Hunters, and it is a notoriously brutal mission, because if you do anything, you're both trying to get the same person and attach this item to them and zip them away, um, because you've got a bounty on them. Well, this town does not like violence, so... You, every, they've got snipers or some sort of defense mechanism that gives you a bleeding token every time you run, charge, shoot, or use a power. So, man, it is like a chess game of, okay, I'm going to shoot you now, and then I'm going to take a bleeding, and before I activate this model again, I'm going to get a friend to come up here and heal the bleeding, and that way I can activate again later, and you got a daisy chain activations, and it's, um, it's pretty fun, but... Leroy whooped my butt, so that's how that goes. Anyway, we had a very fun time at Red Seal Gaming, so we will definitely be coming back next year on our yearly sabbatical to go see each other, and um, it was a lot of fun. So, oh, by the way, Shorehammer tickets are on sale now. I forgot to mention that at the beginning of the show. Um, Shorehammer tickets are on sale. We've streamlined the Highlander 40k tournament. We've added two Flames of War tournaments. We've got a 30k narrative in addition to two 40k narratives, and uh, we're just adding more stuff every year. So the tickets have been off the rails already. So I've been I saw the uh, the daily results. I get an email from the um, the company that handles the tickets, and I was like, oh, good god! So I'm excited to see that um, with everything opening back up and people getting back to normal life and all that that. Uh, you know, it, we are still seeing a very good response for Shorehammer. So, cannot wait to see everybody at Shorehammer again this year. And thanks for listening to the show. Let's get on to the first segment. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Hey, it's the Tesseract mailbox. And today we have a letter at pimpcron at gmail.com from our buddy Juicy Jim. Oh, what a delight to have a letter from Juicy. Let's see what he says. Hey, Pimpcron, it's been a little bit since I've dropped you a line, but I'm still here, always listening, usually thinking, often laughing, and sometimes touching. <laughs> I almost took the dive back into 40k with my towel recently, bought the new codex, started thinking about lists, and built some things I had sitting on the shelf. Then I spent a couple of weeks hearing about how OP they were from the guys in my group who were playing and playing against them and just said, fuck it. The only thing that's more of a turnoff than a terrible book is one that's too good. I'll see how things lie in a few months after the inevitable nerfs, rebalances, data slates, and updates. May even get a couple of games in before 10th launches. Ugh. 10th edition. The best thing they could do in my eyes is go back to 8th. Just make everything an index. And, I, you know, I say that. That's not really true. I do like a lot of the things they've done with 8th and 9th, but... Um, Boy, when all the armies were basically on an even playing field with without all this rules bloat, wow, that was a magical time that I'll always cherish. On the positive side of things, I've been having a lot of fun with AOS. I enjoyed the hell out of my Beastmen before, but that White Dwarf boost is great. I love that they figured out how to buff the army as a whole rather than focus on specific units or sub-factions. He's referring to the Herdstone buff, which I was complimenting last week. I think it's really, really good. He continues, It lets me play the models I want and still get full benefit. Things hit harder, and I get to summon more of those things. What else could I ask for? Well, two-inch reach on Bulgore great axes, I guess. Have to leave something for the battle tome. 
I also thought I'd give a little feedback on the last episode and share my score from the game. As a general rule, I'm not one to support children, but I have to admit that I really enjoyed trying to figure out what the hell those kids were talking about. <laughs> you know, uh, real quick, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, interject here. Yeah, I'm always somewhat leery of including children in the show because a lot of times in media, children, like in car commercials and stuff like that, children are always used as like a, oh, look at that, you know, little scamp sort of thing. And they try to do like a cuteness thing, which immediately irritates me. Like, yes, you know, not all children are cute. So, you know, deal with it. And uh, they kind of treat like all children's, oh, if it's a child, it's cute. You got to listen to it. And they've got high pitched voices and they can be super annoying. So I try to very sparingly use my children in the show and very sparingly just, you know, sprinkle in some children into the uh, the content every once in a while. But I did think this was probably going to be pretty fun because listening to their descriptions, uh, you know, it's not always fantastic. Juicy goes on. It reminded me of watching episodes of Drunk History. You know, the one where some shit-faced celebrity gets on the mic and starts describing something they have no business talking about, but manages to get the general point across, if not entirely coherently. After the first question, I thought I was never going to get any of them, but ended up being surprised. My guess, my first guess was Demon Prince, by the way. I didn't get much out of that other than Bat Wings, which of course was a uh, Vargeist. Second, I guessed a Satan, but didn't know which one. Mandrakes, Stone Mage, and Chaos Spawn I actually guessed correctly, with a fair amount of confidence. I'll take a 3 out of 5 and be happy with that. Now, I know some people don't enjoy hearing children speak, and I can understand that. This was fun, though, and if anyone says otherwise, I figure they can fuck right off. <laughs> Feel free to tell the girls I said that. Uh, no, I won't be relaying that message, Juicy. I'm sure they would appreciate the positive feedback. I look forward to the next round. Thank you for entertaining us with your own spawn. Hugs, Juicy Jim. I told you guys, it's always a delight when Juicy writes in. And uh, thanks for listening, Juicy. And thanks for a little bit of uh, um, verbal support or written support. because Or encouragement. That's what I'm trying to think of. Encouragement. Thank you for encouraging me. Because I really was afraid that you know little kid voices in your ear might be annoying to some people but so far all the feedback I've heard from a handful of people and some just in passing some actually messaged me and and they all said it was totally fine so it wasn't like a oh look at those kids they're so cute teehee it's it's not that bs it's they're just talking like normal people anyway you can write me at pimpcron with two p's at gmail.com or facebook.com slash pimpcron and I believe it's two p's again you know I, I need to check that Want that, or want that not? Hey, this is Want That or Want That Not, and today we're going to be discussing several models, believe it or not. I was on the Games Workshop website, and I saw, you know, I like to check out the pre-orders and stuff for the podcast, and I saw a Death Jester for $32, and it's made to order. And I was looking at it, and I don't know if it's fine cast or not, it looks like it probably is, but I'm like, wow! That Death Jester actually looks pretty darn good. And it's extremely similar to the current Death Jester, which is the plastic version where he's kneeling down. But this Death Jester is standing up. And I'm like, you know what? That's actually pretty cool. The detail is very nice on it. And it looks like a modern sculpt. And I love everything about it. 
And it's a metal model. So they still are cast in a metal. And I'm actually pretty shocked at the detail of this model. It doesn't look goofy. It doesn't look odd. It looks like just the modern model. I was really impressed. $32, a bit pricey, but all their characters are about that price. And I would definitely buy that. That is a want that for that. Then I scroll down and see the shadows here. And by golly, the new plastic models are so darn close to the old metal models, but they're not quite the same. I looked at the shadows here and I'm like, wait, is that the new model? Is that the old model? And it is the old metal model for $32, but it looks so good. And, you know, I actually did get multiple Death Jesters because they are pretty good at sniping out characters. And uh, I was like, you know what? Oh, I guess I forgot to say I'm starting Harlequins. But, but, wait. Not jumping on the bandwagon of, oh, Harlequins are so great. For about six months, I've been waiting for a new Harlequins book to come out. Because I, I got bitten by the bug of Harlequins. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to buy anything until um, the book is announced and yada yada because I just didn't want to kit stuff out in the way the old book would allow and then it suddenly doesn't allow it anymore which they actually did do so I'm I'm happy that I waited but it's not because I'm jumping on the meta people but the point is if you want multiples of this it would be worth ordering this online because the death jester is standing up he's not crouching and it's still a fantastic pose the far the shadow seer is essentially the same pose and he looks very similar. He may not be worth getting, but I do have a soft spot for metal models and I think this is a fantastic model. So, the other thing that I thought was really neat is they're even releasing the old Harlequin troops, the old metal six-man Harlequin troops. And um once again, I was actually really shocked to see that these models look pretty darn modern. They don't look super weird and old or anything like that. They actually look pretty good. Now, you can tell there's a little bit more roundness of the edges. Their um, shuriken pistols are a little bit chunkier than the new plastic. A little bit more cartoony, but I mean 5%, not 50%. Um, and if I had not already ordered like a ton of boxes of Harlequins, I ordered, what, four boxes of Harlequins, uh, I probably would go ahead and buy one box of these, but it's 60 bucks for six miniatures. 60 bucks. Eh, you know what? In that case, nah, I'm fine with it. Now, the Eldar stuff looks a little older. Um, you can tell it's a little more cartoony, but they're, they re-released the Altark with the Dragon Fusion Gun and the Altark with the Banshee Blade and that sort of thing. They released a bunch of the old ones for um, made-to-order online. So that's still cool. And they're metal and all that. I actually have a soft spot for metal. But uh, all of them are $32 each, except for, man, the Harlequin, 60 bucks for six. I just don't, especially being that all it would take is six failed saves and they're all dead. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I was pleasantly surprised that they were re-releasing all this metal stuff, at least for a uh, limited time only, and just online, and it's made to order, etc., etc. You gotta wait a month. But you know what? That's pretty cool. I'm actually... I would like to see them do that for all the factions. Every time that they come out with a new book, why don't you make the old models made to order for a little while? You know, for all those older players that have those old models that might want to expand or whatever, or new players like me that never owned the models, and then you're getting into the army and you're like, oh, you know what, that actually looks pretty neat. So uh, I don't know when the Harlequin models were made, but they look significantly better than the old Eldar models. 
and the old Eldar models are kind of cartoony, a little round, a little, you know, fake. But the Harlequins look pretty darn good. So, anyway, it's want that for the Death Jester. It's want that for the Shadow Seer. But man, the price on those troops is just a little bit too hard to swallow. And plus, why would I swallow them? They're metal. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pentcron. Hey everybody, it's Real Talk with the Pimpcron, and today we are going to hold a funeral for Mantic's Walking Dead miniatures game. It was more or less a skirmish game at first, and eventually it was expanded to more of a real proper war game with, you know, lots more models and things like that. But where did it start out? Where did it go? And why did it die? Mantic first got the rights to the Walking Dead comic book series, not the TV material, but just the comic book series. And you can see that depicted in all of their artwork and all of that. It's clearly comic book images. They didn't include any of the uh, TV characters at all. We'll get into that later on, but it's just purely the comic book material. And a lot of people did not realize that, at least the people not looking from the outside in. They signed a five-year deal with Skybound in 2017, which of course would be ending now in 2022, and in that time, they've released a ton of different things. A lot of it was Kickstarter. I don't know if all of it was Kickstarter, but at least the initial one was, and it came out to rave reviews. It was well-received all the way across. There was neat environmental factors like the walkers, but essentially, you could do solo, you could do co-op, you could do... Uh, PvP, there was all sorts of things that you could do, and the zombies were not necessarily the enemy all the time, but they were an ever-present threat, and there was ways to, like, draw aggro from them, and, you know, if you fired guns, it affected how they reacted, and etc. So, it was a very, very neat thing, and it really took environmental effects, or PvE, player versus the environment, to the next level, in a lot of ways. Um, but you're also trying to fight over resources and things like that with the other players, um, but there's a lot of issues with creating a game using someone else's IP. And I've looked very hard after the announcement in, I think it was late January, that Mantic was no longer going to be doing Walking Dead. I've been trying, I've scoured the internet trying to find why it died. And there's a lot of different opinions on it. There was no cohesive reason given. There's no cohesive thought out there among all the fans why exactly it died. But, in those five years, they had a pretty good run. They released something like 60 named characters. They basically did not have generic characters except for some zombies, and, and there were a lot of unique zombies, too, that were named, and they were like, you know, former characters that became zombies, things like that. Or the Kickstarter, uh, their top Kickstarter supporters became special edition zombies. But in those five years, they released all sorts of stuff. They've got the All Out War, which basically was a skirmish game, like I said, solo and co-op. Then eventually they released uh, Call to Arms, which was heavy PvP. It uh, eschewed... Is that the word? Eschewed? Eschewed? Eschewed. It eschewed some things from the original set and made it more of a larger scale um, PvP style game. More like a proper war game, essentially. And then they also released um, uh, Here is Negan, which was basically a short board game where you played as Negan and you ran things and you played as the villain. And um, uh, people basically refer to that as a board game. It doesn't sound like it's as much of a uh, proper skirmish game. And then they lastly released Here is Rick, 
which is basically just like the Negan board game, but you're playing as Rick trying to run things and um, survive, obviously. So those were the expansions I was able to find. Now, they did a similar to my Marvel Crisis Protocol. They had like a booster sort of thing where you buy a box and it's got two or three or four characters in it. Um, a lot of times you'd come with a named zombie in it, things like that. Um, I've never actually played this game with the announcement that they were getting rid of it. I did go buy the rule book because I just love reading rule books. Gosh, I'm sitting next to at least half a dozen rule books right now from different games because I just love, you know, seeing how they create things and all of that and um, how, of course, I can apply it to brutality, which is cool. But um, this game was very interesting. It was well-loved. It hit right when uh, Walking Dead was pretty much in its peak on TV, and it was a very well-loved comic book, of course. And um, of course, they don't release any sales figures, so all of this is somewhat speculation and basically just based off of how the customers reacted in the online community. But Walking Dead All Out War uh, seemed to have a fantastic population. I mean, a lot of it did skew towards solo gamers, and there really was no real presence of uh, tournaments or a competitive scene really in any way. So it does seem more of like your beer and pretzels let's have fun, let's play these characters we know and love sort of thing. But when you're using someone else's IP, there's a whole slew of issues that can come from it, and maybe we will discuss or figure out why Walking Dead actually ended up dying. So the first thing off is, for obvious reasons, if you're using someone else's intellectual property, right, you are limited to the owner's permission and also their narrative. So, like I said before, going back to the TV show, they had no rights to any of the TV characters. So, boom, off the table, okay? And you're basing it off of someone else's story following Rick and Carl and everybody else. So, the fans are going to want those named characters. And it seems like Mantic really went all in on the named characters. You could basically buy any character that showed up, uh, with a few exceptions, almost any character that showed up in the comic book had a miniature and a couple of them were zombified and that sort of thing. But they, they all appeared there. And in my opinion, they focused a little too much on named people. Obviously named people would bring players in or readers of the comic book in because they want to play as those characters. It did seem like they went very, very obscure. They started running out of named characters that actually mattered and they went extremely obscure where, you know, someone might be in the story just for a couple issues before they died, and, oh, here's that miniature, and I don't know exactly what that did to sales. So, of course, I have no insider information about this. I'm just trying to piece together what I found online and, um, you know, what they've stated, but it was extremely mercurial. They didn't really explain it very well, what the reason for it is. Essentially, they had a five-year contract, and now that five-year contract is up. So... That's the real reason, I guess. But what is the actual underlining reason? Well, a lot of people are claiming that they ran out of information or material. Robert Kirkman just recently um, uh, stopped the comic book series. He finally concluded the whole thing. And, of course, these guys were heavily depending on the comic book material. So that's that for them, really. They never seem to create their own characters. They never seem to expand anything or create their own narrative. And that might have been, once again, a symptom of using someone else's license, is that you don't have that 
um, that creative freedom to do what you want, tell a different story, that sort of thing. So basically everything they did had to pay lip service to the established canon of only the comic book. Now, if they were able to, or if they were offered the rights to the TV show, of course, they could expand more into that. I don't think characters like Daryl are even in the comic book. I don't remember. I've read, oh man, over half of the Walking Dead comics, but they were way, way, way back years and years ago. I don't remember Daryl. I think he's a TV show creation. But someone like him, of course, would be really popular. And and from what I found, they never made a character on him because they didn't have the rights to it. But you're drastically limited. There's no, you know, setting up new camps and starting a whole new story and a new narrative campaign with new characters. You can't do that because you're limited. Also, uh, there's a lot less creative freedom because they would not want you to make anything that would compete or I, I, I guess you could say interfere with their narrative because they are the IP holders. And also you can suffer from the IP's death. So you might have a perfectly good game and but you're licensing someone else's IP and that IP starts declining. God knows The Walking Dead has been I don't even know how many issues, uh, tons and tons and tons of issues. And one of these days I will get around to finishing my collection and actually buying the rest of the trade paperbacks, but um as of now I don't even know how many issues it was, but um it has definitely run its course, right? We went through that whole zombie mania in the beginning of the 2000s and up until now. Right now, zombies are feeling pretty dated and pretty uh, dead, right? The zombie movies are really not happening like they used to. The zombie shows and books and all of that. It's kind of just a fad that has come and gone. And a lot of people would agree that the TV show has well worn out its welcome to the point where they are, I think just recently filming the last episodes of The Walking Dead, and people are like, yo, that's still on? (laughs) Like, everybody stopped watching it years ago, and it's really overstayed its welcome. So, um, there's a lot of things. Even Rick is no longer in the TV show and things like that. So, I feel like there's multiple things that could hamper you if you're using someone else's license, which would be, the death of that IP, your lack of creative freedom, your restriction of permissions, and your restriction on what the narrative can be. So they can't expand any further because the comics have now ended. So they're between a rock and a hard place, right? A lot of people are saying that they had bad sales from the last expansion called The Kingdom. And of course, I don't know where they get their information from, so this may not be true at all, but they said the um, the bad sales had certainly contributed to the decision to break ties with Skybound. Now, the reason why they say that is because uh, several people online have said that when The Kingdom came out, even hardcore fans, there was no buzz about it. Like, nobody was even interested in it. I don't know why that is, but um, apparently it was not very favorable. So, with a game that's five years old, and it's come out with multiple expansions and all of that then it seems to me like in that arc of a lifespan of a game, the sales have to be plateauing or maybe even lowering, right? This slowly tapering off as, you know, you've sold as many copies as you're going to sell of this, and that's that. Everything has a shelf life. And a lot of people said that this would be the point in time after five years 
this would be the point in time that they really should issue a second edition, revise some things and all of that. But a lot of other people are arguing, and these are all fans of the game, is that there's no need for a second edition, you know? I also have complained on this podcast before how I used to be a super, super cheap Wargamer before I got into Warhammer. And then Warhammer has slowly um, loosened my threshold on how much I'm willing to spend on a game. I mean, it's pretty obvious, as evidenced by my 20 Warhammer and Age of Sigmar armies I've got. So, uh, I think we're all used to a market that's constantly pumping out new things, and when it starts getting stale, then they just issue a, a second edition, change a few things, and oh, there's that bump in sales again. But a lot of people are actually giving credit to Mantic, because they're going out on top. The board game, or the miniatures game, is not so dead that people no longer play it they actually have quite a an active community so it's kind of like the jerry seinfeld tv show seinfeld they went out on top they went out while they're still at the top of the ratings and they did not overstay their welcome like a lot of people say the walking dead tv show did and um you know they could crank out a second edition but they probably either wanted to divert the resources to other projects god knows mantic has plenty of other projects to work on and this just seemed like a good time to quit because they might be locked in for another five years and have to, you know, if the sales already were not fantastic or maybe they were declining, a second edition just seems like you're just cranking out a money machine, which by golly, doesn't it seem like that way for Warhammer sometimes? So a lot of people are mixed in what they think. They think the sales were bad and it was just a good time to cut ties. They think that the TV show actually killed the game, because even though they're two different things and actually a completely different storylines, um, overall interest in the genre of zombies may have contributed to the miniatures game's downfall. And a lot of people think that uh, game, uh, Mantic did the right thing by ending out on top. It's a nice closed game, and a lot of people were actually happy to hear that they now have a closed zombie Walking Dead game, and there's no more expansions for it. They can buy everything and have a complete set of everything that was ever offered. Now, is the game really dead? Well, in one of the recent expansions, they did add create your own character, you know, stats and points and all of that. Um, I don't know how in-depth that is. I don't own that. But um, a lot of people said that from there, you can just continue on forever because the game is nice and balanced and simple and... Uh, there's a lot to it, but then again, it does leave you open to be creative. So, um, I'm very sad to hear another miniatures game going out. Remember we covered Guild Ball, what was it last year when Guild Ball called it quits. And now here we are. I'm actually really shocked that the walking dead is calling it quits because the, as I said, the community is still vibrant and active. So it's kind of a bummer, but they decided that this was the right time to do it. And they more or less ended on top, and you got to respect them for that. So, thank you for everyone listening to the podcast. This was the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast, and we're brought to you by GameAt.eu and our beautiful, sexy, good-smelling Patreon patrons. I'll see you next week.